0: Rock and roll bedtime stories. It's a bonus episode. My name is Brian.
1: Hey, it's Murdoch. What's up, everybody?
0: Occasionally, we stop down to check the mail. Uh, You can always send us a letter if you'd like. It's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. Our listener Diane likes to send us email to tell us she hates it when we read the mail on the show. So, Diane, if you have gone against your better judgment, even though this is labeled as a mailbag episode and you're listening, we love you. Thank you for everything.
1: Here's a shout out to Diane who hates the mail. So let's go to the mailbag. <laughs> and who are we gonna? Go this is the
0: fun of. irony. Is it's like, is she gonna listen? Is she gonna know that we're talking about her? I don't know. She says it's boring. All right, thanks uh, for listening. This is not boring. This is from Colleen. Colleen writes the show with a very dr- a very dramatic subject line that you're going to enjoy.
1: First, thanks Colleen for for busting through the stereotype barrier that people think they have about this show, which is the stereotype <laughs> is.
0: Male, <laughs> male, yeah. and older, and I—I I think Colleen references her age. I think Colleen is significantly younger than the both of us. So, Colleen, we're thrilled that you're here and representing a demo for us. Uh, 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 so, Colleen writes the show with this subject line: "Did Def Leppard lie to me?" Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> I, I got that, and I was like, today's a good day. I, I don't even know what this letter's going to say, but today's a good day. Hi, Brian and Murdoch. I have so many questions I want you guys to answer, but this is my most pressing question that I need capital N-E-E-D answers on. I recently listened to a another show that was deep diving into Mutt Lang's career, and when they discussed his work with Def Leppard, there was a brief mention that Rick Allen didn't actually do the drums on pyromania or hysteria instead they used the Fairlight drum machine program to add in drums after they recorded the vocals and instruments it seemed like they did lots of weird post-production mixing for those albums to get a specific sound as a self-proclaimed deaf leopard nerd i have never heard this allegation and the band members haven't hinted what? at rick allen not actually playing on these albums what if this is true i would be sad hysteria is my favorite album ever made and changed my life and then in parentheses she writes even though i was born eight years after it was released (laughs) so can you help me with this did rick allen really not play the drums on these albums Uh, that's question one
1: okay do do you want to jump
0: do you want to jump
1: into this first Oh my God, I had no idea. I mean, <laughs> that, he crawled out of that car, man. You know, without a, like, they tried and they couldn't get his arm. They, and, and, and they did everything. They designed a kit. So I'm like, Colleen, I, I can't believe this is actually a, a a true thing. Okay. But I mean, Mutt also, I mean, Mutt also did Back in Black. So,
0: so, okay, here, here's what I found. Colleen, in short order, is the answer is I'm dividing these questions up because if we're looking at the subject line question, did Def Leppard lie to me? I think the answer is probably no. And I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. But if we're talking about this question of did Rick Allen actually play the drums that you hear when you listen to those two records, the answer is no, he he did not. And. There is a, I I was able to dig up an article with a guy named, uh, or an uh, interview with a guy named uh, Kevin Shipley. Now, uh, I'm sorry, Mike Shipley. Mike Shipley, uh, engineer, producer, and he was, he died in 2013. Do you know Mike Shipley, Murdoch? I I don't, but I have a question. Okay. I I just want to make sure,
1: because Colleen, I know, is listening to this right now. And I I need to be—I need to make sure I'm crystal clear on this. So pyromania too.
0: So, here's the deal. I get hysteria. That makes sense. Shipley worked with Shipley worked with Def Leppard from High and Dry to Pyromania to Hysteria to Adrenalize. And but but listen, here's here's what he says in the interview this is him talking the previous Def Leppard record high and dry in 81 was recorded with real drums on pyromania in 1983 Mutt wanted to be experimental and leave the drums to the very end he would keep changing the arrangements so therefore the drum parts would need to keep changing we had to figure out how to sync that up it was on the cutting edge but somehow we managed to put it all together Take Photograph, for example. Like all the other songs on the record, the song's drums were all samples from the Fairlight. There are no real drums. The cymbals are played, but the bass drum, snare, and toms are all machine. We had all kinds of drums uh, in there, and I sampled them into the Fairlight and detuned them. And then we'd sample them in at half speed, thinking that we'd get a better sound, because that's when Fairlight was at eight bits. You had to get around that part of it. I'm... I'm freaking stunned.
1: <laughs> I get the hysteria. I mean, I get it. But hysteria didn't have real drums on it, but I mean, I'm. I am like. I really like Pyromania, but man, Hysteria, even though it was just way huge, like boy, that was an impactful record. Like that was a, you know, because it was just on constantly. Do, you know,
0: do, do you do you want to hear more from this uh, this interview? This guy, Mike Shipley, gets. He gets real in the weeds. He he clearly is an engineer. He's worked with tons of other people, but this is sort of what he's known for. He died in 2013, Um, but this was done, obviously, uh, before that. And the interviewer asks him, the Fairlight seems like it basically became another member of the band. What kind of role did it play as you got near the end of tracking? And now he gives more details about Pyromania. We were recording Pyromania on 24-track, and we spent a lot of months on that record. By the time it came to mixing, the tape was peeling off in two-inch pieces. It became clear from the intensity of working on a record like that, going over and over and over and blocking out backgrounds and changing arrangements and all that. I'm surprised we ever got it finished because the tape literally fell to pieces. It was experimental. We were using a Fairlight, trying to sync that whole thing up and work like that, and we hadn't figured out... Till the end, how we were going to do the drums. So even when photograph was about to be mixed, Mutt decided to change the chorus songs would evolve and he wanted to have control until the last minute of what the feel was going to be rather than commit to the drums and have to recut them and recut them. He thought it was a better way to do it. I don't think anyone had done it before, but we decided to give it a shot scary as it was. And we just went on blind faith. It was more about being able to change the arrangements at the last minute because this was very important to him. Wow! Gosh, that's so
1: crazy. Here's here's anyway.
0: here's the summation. I
1: first and foremost, I'm I'm freaking stunned. Is the summation
0: the, okay? He didn't <laughs> Mutt was ahead of his time, visionary producer knew that if he was tied to a drum track, he wouldn't be able to do it, and so he had heard this Fairlight thing would work for this, and they played with it and they made it work. Wow! So the that, half speed, like all that, is that is beyond my comprehension of
1: my bar chord guitar playing <laughs> rhythm guitar.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty it. damn interesting though. It's right. Okay. So, so here's, wow. here's what I, I want to get to. I want to get to the other questions that, uh, that Colleen asks. Here. There's
1: more. Well, also. she just no, I mean, has I'm saying,
0: no, I'm saying this is fantastic.
1: What a great first question.
0: So next, th- this is the next question. Okay. Does this mean Rick, fake drummed during concerts. Okay, we, we gotta know. So, I mean, the answer is no. I mean, Rick Rick was... Rick right could replicate the drumming live in concert. And so this is where I thought it would make sense to bring in a drummer to talk to us about this because Mutt Lang was very, very far ahead in terms of how he was producing records. So this was happening in the 80s. Now... If you talk to most any band, and this is I find out from hanging out with musicians, drummers track their drums. Now, it doesn't mean they don't play them live and they don't play them to the way that they track them. But in a lot of cases, the actual sounds are computer generated sounds on records. Correct. Yeah. And, and yep. this was just a very early example of that. And this is a little bit of a pulling back the curtain thing for a hardcore music fan, right? Because this is like when I found out Adam Duritz didn't have dreadlocks, right? For real, like they were fake, like they were they were just <laughs> extensions. It, it's it's part of the show, but there there's a certain economy fa- to it.
1: When I found out Trent Reznor was from Ohio, yeah, like, exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly the same thing but you get when you go in the rock and roll hall of fame there's like a thing in the first, like first about ohio stuff and there's alan free uh, uh, and there's a freaking thing with nine inch nails and it's like oh man that's
0: right they're from, <laughs> they're from here too
1: i mean like ohio had a great rock and roll stuff like it's just a Okay. Place of a lot of stuff.
0: So so I thought it'd be interesting just for like a couple of minutes to bring in a special guest to talk about how you record drums as a drummer now. So uh, we're bringing in JP. JP is in a band called Foxbat. He's played with bands all over the country. He's toured all over the country with a bunch of punk and rock bands over the years. I call Fives, Hark the Herald, a band called Light Treasons. He was in a band called Time and Distance. So I called him and said, would you be willing to come on the show and talk a little bit about just just in broad strokes, what does it mean to be a a drummer now when you have, a you know, a project that you're working on and you have to you're not going to go in the studio and play the drums live to just people that are not drummers, even musicians and music freaks like you and I don't realize that this happened. So I thought it would be interesting to get his perspective.
1: I know, and I'm really excited that he's here and like like almost like clockwork, like no one is ever on time for anything. Like how, how late are was I are for all of about? this? <laughs> Look, see, he's even here on time. Unreal.
0: Okay. All right, JP, thank you for joining, buddy. Can you give us just, you've, I've just, showed you the letter we, we were talking about colleen's note to us which was very nice yeah. of her to send we, we are digging into how mutt lang produced Def leopard records in the early 80s he was using a fair light it's a very early technology he was very early on this train but now it's pretty commonplace so explain to me if you're going to go in and, and track drums to a new fox bat song how does this happen
2: so um i mean there's a lot of different ways you can do it but you know the emergence of GarageBand on your phone has made it to where the use of MIDI is pretty prominent um, and pretty universal. Uh, so I can do something in GarageBand on my phone with some taps, just kind of with my finger um, via MIDI, and then I can send it to you and you can use MIDI as well to record whatever um, in a really easy to tap, easy to, um, to, you can plug and play depending on your setup, uh, but it all integrates really easily. And then you can just, you know, change or, whatever you want on the fly and kind of like use it to write in real time, kind of like sketching out your ideas. Um,
0: So are you getting drum sounds? Like once you get it into GarageBand, are you then taking your taps and turning them to real drum sounds? Is that how it works?
2: I mean, I'm starting with real drum sounds on the
0: keyboard. On the keyboard. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. So then, you know, I'm going to, but I've got a grid. So I'm, you know, and a drummer's going to look at everything very mathematically, but, you know, I'm going to look at a grid and say, okay, I'm going to fill up my grid with whatever I'm playing. Um, and then I can just literally just tap, 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 tap. And the grid makes it easy to literally see the beats in real time. So if I'm working in 4 4, I can zoom in to, you know, eighths or 30 seconds or sixteenths or whatever to get a grid and just literally put it in, put it in a draw mode and go to the hi hat line and doom, 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 and just use my finger to, to draw what I want to play and then hit play and hear it back in real time. So I can just sit there and mess with it. You know, the hardest part is sometimes, you know, translating if I have a cool part that I know I want to play is figuring out how to how to map it, how to map it. So uh,
0: so sometimes to, you've actually like you played on the drums. You're like, that's cool. Now I have to actually figure out how to map it out in the program.
2: Yeah, it goes both. I mean, it goes both ways. Okay. And, and once you start once you start mapping stuff out a lot, I mean, like I am by no means. I mean, you, you talk to really good producers that aren't even drummers and they can, you know, they can map stuff that's awesome uh, you know, studio quality in short time. But but like somebody like me, I, I you know, I would say if I'm mapping for pre pro, like generally I'm gonna have like ninety percent of it pre pro'ed out, tapped out on the on the pad, and then there's probably gonna be ten percent or so that I'm gonna either change live or I'm gonna say, oh, I'm gonna do some variation of this when I play it or Okay. Um some sometimes it'll get to a hundred percent. It really just depends on how inspired I am, how much uh, how much, like, the piece needs right. uh, something specific. And, and then again, it does kind of factor in, like, how much can I even program it? Like, can, can yeah. I, I can play this, but I don't, like, can I figure out how to, how to map it out? So, the, usually, I mean, again, that's kind of my own limits. Right? Sure, that's, I mean, sure. a good, a good drummer, a good producer could, could get it there.
0: Well, the, and this is part of the question, too, is about the translating what goes on the record into what is done in the live performance. And so, Colleen's question is like, was Rick Allen ever playing drums? And I'm pretty confident the answer is yes. He was playing real drums live, right? And yes, this is complicated by the fact that Rick Allen had one arm at a certain point in his career, and so they were definitely doing things with the drum set from what I know about this and from what we've researched on the show before to to you know make it so he could play with his feet, etc. But he was he was playing live. It wasn't that they were just piping in artificial drum sounds well, like Millie Vanilli was right. p- piping well, in artificial they don't, they don't vocals.
2: I'll take it a step further and say that, like, so, you know, um, not to get really obvious with it, but like, you know, back in the day as a drummer, if you wanted to have a demo that sounded good, you had to spend thousands of dollars because you couldn't get live drums to sound good. And so what happened is eventually with the emergence of digital recording is that producers realized, hey, I can go take this $5,000 snare that I have. And I can go set it up in this room that I have $20,000 in the soundproofing and sound in this room and use this $30,000 mic to record this. (laughs) And it's going to be the best sounding snare ever. And I can just put it out for anybody to use. And like you laugh, but that's like literally an entire industry. And it's why everything now sounds all right. It's why 20 years ago, nothing sounded (laughs) good. and and it's why like it's funny why it's why like music in some ways the playing field has been totally leveled and in other ways it's been totally well it's been totally leveled in some ways that's a good thing in some ways it's a bad thing yeah but i mean it's 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 factually i mean the guy i recorded with um a a relatively well-known metal producer now at the time he was not but joey sturgis and he's done a bunch of metal new metal shit and metalcore and um at the time, he was just starting to, to kind of program and track drums. And it became this kind of phenomenon for a while. And, like, this kind of a certain sound where you could really hear it. Um, but but the evolution of it now, I mean, I, you know, now you, you lay down real drums in the studio and you're still usually going to get sound replaced, snares and kicks, almost always anyway. Because of that very fact that my snare is never going to sound as good as the $5,000 snare in the $20,000 studio.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so weird. JP, hey, if you ever get a chance to go to Ardent Studios in Memphis and you go and knock on the door, Jody Stevens is the only person from Big Star still alive, the drummer. And he answers the door and he gives you a tour around the, the place. It's not that exciting. But like, you know, the Gin Blossoms, Easy Top, like people did a lot of stuff. And he takes you and there's one room in the back and it's his kit in a room that the three of us could probably comfortably put three entire kitchens in <laughs> like large kitchens, you know, or we could have like, you know, a den that could, that could easily have like 75 people comfortably <laughs> milling about. And instead there's just a drum kit and a mill room with like, and they're big freaking gorgeous looking microphones hanging yeah. from the ceiling. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it, it, awesome.
1: it looks, it looks great. And, it's like how it sounds in a room that big must be, you know. Do you do you ever do you ever want to do that and play in rooms like that? Is it ever exciting if you had an opportunity to do something like that, where it just here here's where the drums are, and you get a room um, like that?
2: Yeah. So I mean, like, I, I don't know if I'd say quite that big. I, I would say uh, I recorded with a dude uh, in New Jersey a few years ago. He had a pretty decent, like, he had a really kind of what I would say more of a classical. Studio setup, up, kind of what you picture, like a big, a big live room where you totally could set up um, pretty comfortably a, a four or five six piece band. And I re- I remember it was stage when I recorded, like it was set up for for live sessions too. Um, and I like the way it sounded in there. But you know, it's so much. It's so it's so funny how much like, especially playing at the tier that I'm playing on, which is like not you know not elite. Like you hear like a really poor. Drum set, quality a poor quality drum set tuned and played by the right person sounds incredible, and a and a ten thousand dollar drum set played by a, a kid who doesn't, you know, can't keep rhythm, uh, like, sounds like crap. And, and so, in a lot of ways, I think that has that value of that has kind of been lost on me. Like, I feel like the the like the perfect the perfect sound and the perfect studio, and I don't know, um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I, I like playing my set because I think it always sounds good. I like it the way it sounds in certain venues a lot. Um, so I notice it more there. I mean, so I do notice it, um, but I haven't had like a truly epic, like, holy shit, check this out. This is an awesome story moment.
1: I can keep asking
0: questions about being <laughs> a drummer, because man, I've got lots of them.
2: <laughs> well, we I, I don't mind answering them. I mean, well, they're probably not interesting.
0: I, this, All of this talk about this the large drum sets reminds me of this story that I've probably told you before, Murdoch, about how when I was in college, this guy was like had a sign up on a telephone pole that was like, I'm looking for a guitar player. Or I'm looking for a singer or whatever. And so I answered it. And then he we met up and we played like in a dorm room. And he was like, cool, we should go to my drummer's house. And he was probably a little older than me. So I was like 19 or 20. And this kid was like 22, 23. And we got in his car and drove out to this farm. Have I told you the story? And we walk in and he knocks on yeah. this door. And we walk in and there's like a, a, like an older woman who looks like older than my mother at the time. Answers the door. And she's like, oh, hey. And she's like, Bill's in the other room. And we're like, what? And, and there's this guy just like watching TV in the other room. And he's like, got a it And I mean, the whole... And we're like, who? It's like dude in his 50s. What's going on? And Ryan's like, yeah, hey, this is, a, this is Bill. This is my drummer. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, where's the drum set? He's like, oh, come out to the shed. So he like walks us out to the shed behind his house. And it's nothing but a drum set. <laughs> It's like the largest drum set I've ever seen. And we've been playing ballads about a girl named Sarah on an acoustic guitar. And I'm like, "What? how is this going to work that we're now going to play with this guy who has a drum set as big as Jody Stevens's? We have a gong behind the throne. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, JP, thank you so much. I think you've really helped shed some light on these questions uh, for for Colleen, and I think Murdoch also's mind is blown. I've I've known a little bit of this about drum tracking, but I remember when I first learned about it, I was I was like, wait, that's how you? That seems not as romantic as like going in and doing live drums, but I I, I totally see the practicality of it.
2: No, I will be. Let me be clear. I most I you still do that. I mean that that part still happens at least for most. It depends on what you're doing. If you're if you're rock centered, for the most part, that is still happening. Um, but it, but but it being sound replaced and it not necessarily being live isn't isn't that uncommon. Uh, especially now, they were just kind of maybe ahead of their time in some ways uh, of doing it. But especially now, it's it's nothing that I would say. You know, demarks the the music experience of the of the listener. If you
0: read this interview with Mike Shipley that we've been discussing, I mean, he makes it sound like Mutt Lang was like one of the first guys to ever do this. I have not gone back to verify that, but because of the technology he was using, it's it's I'm pretty confident it was pretty early. In terms of yeah
2: yeah that that's kind of what I assumed I haven't looked into it at all either but that that would be my presumption is that yeah they were kind of they were kind of uh, pioneers uh, not not uh, in any way like cheating or millyveniling it um, right uh, at all right which right, is a lot right. more nuanced as we learned on your show so thanks guys yeah so
0: I uh, know thank you um it, so Colleen's last question is why would Def Leppard even have a drummer if they just used a computer program to add the drums and I think the answer to that is.
2: It's the same reason you have a guitarist, even though you might use a good uh, computer to record a guitar. Like, it, it's just a tool that you use to to build the experience, and it's not uh, so, the inclusion of a live drum. It doesn't change th- this. There. I feel like it's
0: worth saying this statement when when having this discussion, which is the Beatles didn't play live after sixty five, right? That's always what, like what I come right. back to. Like, sure. there is there are two ways of making music. There's like live in the room, which is like the I think the romantic way that guys like the three of us who have played in bands and have, you know, love to go to bars and watch, you know, make our ears, watch guys make our ears bleed or whatever. Like that's the romantic side of it. But then the, the commerce side of it and also the, but not just the commerce side of it. Part of the creative side of it is, can you go in a studio and come up with all these sounds and do all these things? And in different genres, it's more accepted and understood that everybody's making noise on their laptops or whatever. And in
2: 2022, we're much more understanding of the fact that, that you can make, creaks in your in your uh, you know record the creaks of your doors in your uh house and somehow turn that into music and be cool and it like yeah it's all it's all kind of turning into one thing there used to be a lot more focus of like this is a live thing and i'm going to be able to pull it off live and there used to be this kind of uh, this is a studio project i'm going to make it sound we haven't even talked
0: about running tracks live which i know is something that foxbat does so yeah i mean that's that's not even something we've discussed yet
2: and then eventually, exactly, they blend into one where you're saying, I'm going to take elements of the live, but ultimately I'm going to do it all together, which is really a much more orchestrated and put together performance than four dudes sloppily playing power slop in a garage. Um, so even though it may feel like, hey, this is cheating, and a lot of times it, it, it's really not. And it's really just to, to bring that, those two, those two things, that studio magic and that live thing into one. But anyway, yeah, thanks for having me on, dudes. Enjoy the show. Keep it up.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. We appreciate you. Bye, buddy. Thanks, JP.
2: See you, dudes.
0: You know the whole idea
1: of like why sh- if Def Leppard didn't have a drummer is such a weird thing, but I mean it's a there's a there's a realistic thing about acting. You know, thinking about that like that way. But the only time I ever saw that, I saw the Flaming Lips, and dude, this was 22 years ago. So it was in the year 2000, <laughs> and it was the Soft Bulletin tour. Yeah. Uh huh. And so there were only three of them. Oh. So Stephen was playing guitar and then it would cut. They just had a big circle thing. It was like yeah. watching Pink Floyd. If you were on psychedelics, I'm assuming like your your mind was melting because there was like Teletubbies and then like people's faces melting and like just the weirdest crap. And then it would cut to like a video of Stephen cutting the drums. So you're aware that there's the drum track.
0: But the, you know, there wasn't this, a live drummer on the South no. Bolton tour.
1: no. And the other thing was, you would go. There was no merch table, but you went and you gave your driver's license at this table, and they gave you an an, an FM transistor radio that was tuned into the radio. They had a low watt like FM transmitter, State, yeah. and and it was tu- It was auto- automatically tuned into that, so you listened to the show on the radio that you were watching on the stage, and That's that wild. was why. For me, it's like you take the drummer out, like.
0: What are we doing here? But like that yeah. made
1: it into an experience. If there was something else. Because otherwise, I think when you take the soul out, it sucks.
0: If you have a question like Colleen and you want us to research or bring in an expert, yeah. <laughs> we'll do what we can. You just have to email us. It's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. And what should people keep doing until next time, Murdoch? Oh, keep telling stories.